Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. When you realize I'm nothing, God is everything. If God don't empower me, I can't do it. It's all for his glory. I'm glad to be on his team. In humility, I want to serve the Lord. You serve the Lord like that, and God said, that's rewarding. You're going to get rewarded for stuff you didn't even know. You were just living right. Taking care of someone that had a need just because it felt like the right thing to do as a Christian. And God's like, that's rewardable. Giving somebody something to drink because it just was the right thing to do in the name of the Lord. That's rewardable, right? If we just would be what God made us to be, so much of how we would live, God says, oh, that's rewardable. What are the things that God desires from you? Today, you learn three things from Pastor Bill's message that God desires from you. Seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with Him. These are the things that God asks of you. These are the things that, if by doing them, you will be rewarded by God. Pastor Bill explains that all of us will ultimately give an account of how we spend our time and resources while on this earth. Be sure you're spending yours for the Lord and His glory. He will reward you for it. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Colossians, chapter 2, as he continues his message, Deceivers, Cheaters, and Believers. When we all come together, we worship, we come together, we praise the Lord. It's us coming together saying, man, we're a group of people that are all saying, yes, Him. Yes, Jesus, thank you, Lord, for what you have done for us. We can sing it in unison. We can sing it with one heart and one mind. We're people that love the Lord together. And hopefully it overflows into us being a witness to others for him together. But a proper understanding of all that Christ done will keep us from trying to somehow do it ourselves. Trying to somehow, you know, do something to put me up spiritually, to make me better than or make me more acceptable to the Lord. I need to understand that I can never do anything to make me more acceptable. I can just respond. For the rest of my life, I can respond to the goodness of God in my life. And so moving on now, look at verse 16. So we get another, this is where he says in verse 16, so let no one judge you, right? If God did all this, God has whooped your enemies He's wiped out the, the handwriting, the requirements that was against you. He's, he's made a public spectacle of Satan and the demons that were coming for you. He says, so therefore, don't let anybody judge you. And this is the, the list of things he gives us. In food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths. Notice Sabbaths is pure, plural. There were different Sabbaths that they observed as Jews. And so these were all Jewish customs. They had certain festivals. And if, you know, are you guys going to go? Oh, you didn't go to the festival because you're supposed to go to the festival because the festival is like somehow that's how we stay right with God at the festival or, or eating and drinking. They have many dietary restrictions. And so you got people today that'll go to Leviticus and look at the dietary restrictions in Leviticus and then come to you and say, you shouldn't be eating that crab. Are you going to eat them scrimps? Because Leviticus says you shouldn't be eating none of these sea creatures and whatnot, right? So it's important that we, I know I got some shrimp folk here today. Y'all y'all like, make it right for me, pastor. So, you know, those, you look at Leviticus, it was written to a certain group of people under a certain covenant. You come to the New Testament and Paul told Timothy, look, everything, everything is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. So when you're going to eat, thank God for it. We're not under those restrictions. We're not Levites. We're not serving as Levites or priests or any of those things. We're under a different covenant at a different era in a different relationship with the Lord. So I can't let someone pull that stuff out. And, and now, now I'm under those restrictions. Now, if you decide not to eat shrimp because of a health issue, or you're trying to, you know, you're trying to get slim and trim or whatever, that's cool. Right. If you decide you're not going to eat bacon because you want to get fit. That's cool. 
but don't make it spiritual, right? Don't try to make it like, well, you, I'm closer to Jesus because I don't. And that's what they were doing here. They were saying, so, so Paul said, look, don't let anybody judge you in regard to food or drink, regarding these festivals or new moons. And then he says Sabbaths. So I want to hit this one real quick because we have, you know, people that are Seventh-day Adventist churches and they're different types, right? Some Seventh-day Adventists kind of hold it lightly, but they believe the Sabbath is the original Sabbath Saturday and you should observe it. Your hardcore Seventh-day Adventists believe that we're going to hell for worshiping on Sunday, right? That's what they believe. They would be wrong for that. That would be an error, you know, and then you take them to this and they got a whole explanation of why this don't apply. But this says right here, let nobody judge me in regard to Sabbath. So when someone say you're not on the news, ah! Colossians tells me that you cannot judge me. So shut it up. I don't hear it. I'm not receiving it from you. I'm not saved by what day I worship on. You know, the Bible says that, you know, one man seems one day this way. Another man seems another day. He says, let everyone be convinced in their own mind. Y'all can worship God Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whatever. Any day, every day, you can worship the Lord. There's not a day, right? And so let me say this. I hope that y'all are not holier on Sunday. I know there was an era of Christians that were like Sunday was the holy day, the Lord's day. And so you're nice today. You talk nice to the kids today. And you're all gracious today. And they know Monday morning is going to be hell on earth. Don't be like that, right? It should be a consistency. You can't have, we're not doing Sabbath. We Every day is holy to the Lord, amen? And we're dedicated to the Lord every day, not just on a particular day. But important here, he says, let no one judge you. So I'm not going to allow anyone to bring me into judgment about dietary restrictions, things that God has not been part of how I got right with the Lord. I'm made right with the Lord because of the finished work of Jesus. Amen. Let not what I eat, not what I drink, not where I go, not where they I worship, but the finished work of Jesus. Therefore, you can't judge me on these things. And then he says in verse 17, so let no one judge you in food, drink regarding festival, new moon, Sabbath. Verse 17 says, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. So those festivals, the new moons, the Sabbaths, those were all pictures of what was to come. Even the food, even some of what they would eat, there'd be the the different bread and different things. And it was leaven. It was unleavened bread. So bread without the yeast in it, you know, and the bread without the leaven and leaven was symbolic of what of sin. And so it was bread without the sin in it. And so Jesus would come and be the bread of life, right? The one without the sin. And all these things were pictures to just prepare us to get ready to receive Jesus. And these guys are not receiving Jesus, but they still want to do the stuff, right? You know, it's oftentimes for communion, we eat that nasty, Y'all know unleavened bread is nasty, right? As you eat it, y'all be choking through it. You, the juice is not enough to knock it down your throat. We we could go ahead and have like Hawaiian bread if we want to. I mean, you know, it's some of those things that, you know, no one can judge us in regard to these things. None of these things save us. And when it says that they were a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ, I always like the analogy of if, if my wife were to go away on a trip, I mean, she came home and I was waiting for her to come home. I was excited for her to come home. And then my wife showed up on the front porch and then I hugged the shadow, right? There was a shadow of my wife on the front porch and I just started hugging her shadow. She'll probably leave and y'all would be like, he went crazy. Man, something's not right. Like you wouldn't hug the shadow when the real thing is there. She's here. I would hug her. And now it'll be a bigger shadow of both of us hugging, right? So 
That's what they've done here. They're hugging the shadow. And Jesus said, look, the substance was me. You missed the, you missed the big deal when I showed up and you're still hugging the shadow, the different rituals and whatnot. Now verse 18, look at it says. So first we got, let no one judge you. Now we have, let no one cheat you. Verse 18 says, let no one cheat you out of your reward. So we have rewards coming to us. Y'all know that as believers, God is so good, right? So he would save us, give us gifts and callings and give us things to do that are eternally rewardable. And so he said, look, don't let anybody cheat you out of your reward. Taking delight in false humility in worship of angels intruding into those things which he has not seen vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. So let me say this. There's a way to serve God where God says, I reward that, right? We get some hints in the scriptures. He told the disciples in the gospel, in Matthew's gospel, look, when people persecute you and say all manner of evil against you, faulty for my name's sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. He told us in James, if you endure temptation, you'll receive a crown for that. Throughout scripture, he tells us, look, if you do these things, you get rewarded. So there's, there's things we can do that there's eternal reward for having lived that way, having done these things. But he says, there ain't no reward on spiritual pride. There's no reward on, you know, worshiping angels. So y'all know that there are groups. I don't want to pick on any group, but I'm going to say it because that's what I'm called to do. Right. In the Catholic church, they worship angels and there are other denominations and groups. The Mormon church, they got the, the angel Moroni supposedly gave Joseph Smith the bogus message of the Mormon church. So you got people that are looking at angels. Paul said this. Paul said, if even an angel of God comes to you preaching another gospel other than what I preach, he said, let him be accursed. And that word accursed in the Greek is anathema. It means damned to hell. He said, even if an angel comes with a different gospel than this one, let him be damned to hell. Like that's a damnable message. It won't save. It won't help. It will lead you to destruction. So we don't worship angels. We don't pray to angels. First Timothy chapter two, verse five says that there's one mediator between God and man. It's the man, Christ Jesus. Who do I go to to get to God? Jesus. Do you pray to your guardian angel? You do not. Do you have one? Yes, you do. But do you pray to him? No, you don't. You pray to God through Jesus Christ. That's the mediator. I got access to the father through the son and the power of the spirit. That's how we interact with the Lord. And so be careful of anything, any religion, any group that would encourage you looking elsewhere. If you're looking to angels, don't look to angels. I'm grateful for them, but I don't, we don't worship them, right? They're created beings just like we are. So it says, let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility, right? There can be a, an era aura of, of just false humility, you know, just, Things that when people are cocky and puffed up about spiritual things, God says, look, if you serve like that, you'll be cheated out of your reward. Don't anybody cheat you out of your reward. Don't let anybody convince you that you're better than other people. And that's why I try to keep it, keep us all on the same playing ground, right? None of us get to be a big deal because if you, the, the moment you think it's you, you're no longer serving in a way that God can bless. Understand that? So the moment you start thinking that I'm a big deal, I got this. I'm about to show out spiritually. God's like, you, none of that's rewardable. You've been cheated out of your reward. So when you realize I'm nothing, God is everything. If God don't empower me, I can't do it. It's all for his glory. I'm glad to be on his team. In humility, I want to serve the Lord. You serve the Lord like that. And God said, that's rewardable. You're going to get rewarded for stuff you didn't even know. You were just living right. 
taking care of someone that had a need just because it felt like the right thing to do as a Christian. And God's like, that's rewardable. Giving somebody something to drink because it just was the right thing to do in the name of the Lord. That's rewardable, right? If we just would be what God made us to be, so much of how we would live, God says, oh, that's rewardable. But don't get cocky. Don't get full of yourself. Don't start living like, like it's you somehow. So moving on, it says the end of verse 18, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, verse 19, and not holding fast to the head. Who's the head? That's the, that's the whole flaw. When you begin to look to angels or when you begin to be puffed up in yourself, you're no longer looking to the head. You're no longer looking to Jesus. You're looking to you. You're looking to something else, someone else. Um, it says, and so these were, are not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. So the danger of looking to self, the danger of looking to angels or some other entity is that I'm no longer looking to the head who is Christ. And because everything flows down from Christ, who is the head says it's through him that the whole body is nourished. So if I'm not looking to Jesus, who's the head, that means that the body's not nourished. The body is the church. So it's important that if you guys have people that you listen to spiritual leaders and teachers and pastors, make sure that you're listening to leaders and teachers and pastors that, that are looking to Christ as the head. Make sure you're not listening to people that they're preaching them. There, there's guys today that you step back far enough and listen and you're like, that, that dude is preaching him. That dude is preaching pop culture. That dude is preaching movies and songs and hip-hop culture. He is not preaching Jesus. I don't even know if he's mentioned Jesus. There's so little of the word and be careful. Those things are happening today and they, they, stay, they, they seem, it's a church. It's a big church. It looks like it's doing well. But what's he talking about? Who's he pointing people to? Who's the head of that? Do, when you get done listening, do you get the sense that, that Jesus is, is supreme, is being looked at, or do you get the impression that, that someone is? We, gotta, you, we have to make decisions on those things. And so it says that not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body is nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments and grows with the increase that is from God. So we want to be careful to keep Jesus the head, that we look to him as the head, that we might be nourished and united and growing the way that God wants us to. Now look at verse 20. Therefore, so in, in light of all of what we just looked at, therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourself to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things that perish with the using according to the commandments and the doctrines of men. So now he, he poses a question in light of all that he's just taught. He says, so since you've died with Christ from all the basic principles of the world, why, why is the living for this world? Do you subject yourself to these regulations? Don't taste, don't touch, don't handle. And he says, all these things perish with the using according to the commandments and the doctrines of men. And so Paul's telling them as he's just reiterating what he's already told them that we're not trusting in our works. We're not trusting in what we don't eat, don't touch, don't, you know, deal with. None of that is, is in the way of our relationship with the Lord. So he's challenging the Colossians. So, so why do you guys honor that? Why are you guys letting people put that on you? Since it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't accomplish anything. And so once again, we want to be careful that we don't let people put weights on us or people put restrictions on us that are, that are beyond the scriptures. 
There are people that would like to put rules and regulations. There are churches that are extra strict, you know, tell you what you can and can't wear, decide what is, you know, what's fashionable, what's what's okay for fashion and what's not. We just got to be careful about letting people put rules on us that go beyond God's rule. Because let me say this. Y'all understand God has given you enough rules to follow? You don't need to add none. Now, I don't need to add nothing. There's enough rules that I'm, I'm going to have a hard time with already. Love my enemies. You know, turn the other cheek. I got enough problems to be adding to the list. <laughs> so so we don't, we don't want to be adding to stuff. I had a brother of mine that was part of a, he's is no longer today, is he? But he was part of a very legalistic denomination. And people would literally walk in and he gave me a, a situation happened where he's in the pulpit. Behind him is the choir stand and out there is the church. A woman who they had invited to church, a neighbor who was battling cancer, she had never come. She finally showed up. He's from the pulpit and see her come into the building. Not being someone that typically goes to church, I guess the attire that she had on wasn't wasn't suitable for that church. Maybe the dress was a little tight or a little short or whatever. So he said that while he was still up, someone from behind him in the choir stand got up made their way all the way to this woman at the door and whatever they said to her she left didn't get to hear the message she eventually dies of cancer and understand my heart right i look at that and i think like but she came right she she i you she could i wanted her to hear the message she didn't get to hear the message because of what she wore may we never be that right i double y'all just got to know my heart I, i would be so mad I'd be mad. I'd throw you out, right? I mean, like, let her have a seat in her little bitty skirt, you know, whatever. Let, let her be. I feel like people should be able to come and hear the gospel. When I did youth ministry, there was a, some, it was a kid in the youth group that brought a friend. I found out later he lived in a trailer park. He, he, he was inviting his friend to come to church with him. And there was a band back then called Blink something, Blink one something, 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 some numbers, right? But anyway, the kid had a, he had a jumpsuit on and on the back of the jumpsuit, it had a barcode. And it said, people equal the S word. That's what this kid wore to church. And so he comes in the church with his buddy and, you know, they walk in, we're greeting the kids and I see the back of it. And I'm like, oh man, all right. You know, so when the leaders are like, hey, what are we going to do? What do we do? I'm like, leave, leave him alone. He's, he's Obviously he's not saved yet. So he's here. So just be, go, you know, greet him, say what's up to him, leave him alone, you know. And he came that week, he sat through the message, you know, we give an altar call. He doesn't come forward. And he leaves. He comes back the second week and he wears it again. And I got one of my leaders that's like, we need to do something about this. They call it a meeting. They're having a sidebar. They're like, we have, we must, kids can't be reading them. These kids are reading way worse than that, please. Man, let this kid alone, you know. Second week, this kid gets saved, right? Gives her life to the Lord. He's only down for another month. A month after he gets saved, his older brother dies. And so his whole family moves out of the trailer park somewhere else uh, to another state. And we, I look back and I think we had a four-week window with this kid. We didn't know that when he walked in the door. His friend lives in the trailer park as a Christian, invited him to come. What if we turned this kid away because he wore the wrong outfit, right? May the church just not be that. Let non-believers be non-believers, amen? When y'all was non-believers, did you wear some scandalous stuff? Yes, you did, right? And so when you see a non-believer in some scandalous stuff, it's like, all right, how are you doing? You know, welcome. I, I, I used to be just like you. Some of y'all was worse. So we want to be careful about that, that we don't, we don't put those restrictions on people. And in, even as we come to the Lord, my prayer is that there would be a humility about how we walk it out. Last thing in verse 23, it says, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion 
false humility and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. So these extra rules and restrictions and regulations that people might keep, he says they, they can have an appearance. Somebody can, it could make them look spiritual, but he says it's really of no spiritual value at all. It's really, it doesn't do anything to help, you know, purify the flesh or change, you know. So you, you take some of your most liturgical, religious, outwardly religious things, and you'll find that there's gross, gross sin that's happening at the very same time. You think, but man, there's a, you know, I went to Catholic school growing up. So I was around priests. And, and I'm telling you, I've seen gross, gross. When you look at them in a setting of church, it's like, wow, they got the robes on. Outwardly, it looks like this is a religious man. But when you when you go to school there and you see him in different settings, I'm like, no, nah, he gets drunk. Those two are gay. That was my experience as a kid growing up from elementary through high school was was it, that they weren't there was nothing really spiritual about these guys except for the external stuff. It was of no value in and calming them down or dealing with the flesh and anything you do outwardly to make you look spiritual. It's of no value in terms of, 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 of real change, right? Here's the thing. The real change that God does in our life is something that he does from the inside out. So religion says, put on externally, look like you're doing good. Genuine biblical Christianity says, as I receive Jesus, he moves inside. And by the spirit of God, God begins to transform me from the inside out. It's a little slower, but it's genuine as it happens. Right, the work that God does, God changes your heart. Then you changes your desire. Then it changes your action, and you begin to look different. Maybe you think different. Maybe you do things different. But it's not from a place of fakeness. It's not from a place of I'm trying to prove to other people. It's from a genuine place of God moved in. I'm just not the same. I just don't have the same desires. And so sometimes we're we're encouraging the external so fast. We want to see people change externally, not realizing that the reason that they haven't changed externally is because they haven't really received Christ inwardly. And we want them to do outwardly. They don't have the power to do it. They don't have the power or the desire. You know what? The Bible says that God works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So until Christ lives in you, you won't want to do the right thing. And if you try, you won't have the power to carry it out long term. So we got to be better about preaching the gospel to the lost. Amen. Realizing when I'm dealing with a sinner, I'm not asking them to change anything except who they believe can save them. I'm not asking a non-believer to stop drinking, to stop fornicating, to stop. None of, we'll deal with that. First, get saved. First, understand that your sins have a consequence. Jesus died to save you. I'm gospel to non-believers. To believers, it's a different conversation. You tell me that you receive Christ. While blazing up, I'm going to say, well, hold on just a minute, sir. That's a different conversation, right? You tell me you're born again, the spirit of God lives in you. We, we having a different conversation. But to a non-believer, right, I'm not asking you to make external transformation yet. I want you to understand who Christ is, what he did for you, and how come you need to, by faith, receive him as Lord and Savior. And so as we wrap this up today, Paul loves this church just like Jesus loves all the church. And so often what Paul was teaching, but he also, he was warning here. He's warning because there are people that were trying to deceive him and cheat them. And he wanted the believers to be wise to it, that they wouldn't be ripped off through false religion, through fake practices, through doing extra stuff, but they would have a genuineness of their relationship with Christ. So that's my prayer for us as well. Right. Um, I don't want to create uh, a, I don't want to create an environment in our church where it's fake, where people put on where people feel like they have to fake it to make it or, or pretend like they're doing better. I want us to be able to be a place where, you know, if, someone, if, if you're doing great, 
Praise the Lord. If you're struggling, then you can say so. And that people could walk with you and stand with you and pray for you. That the work that God would do in us would be genuine. It would be lasting. It'd be beneficial. It would glorify God. Uh, it'd be rewardable because it's not fake. And that we wouldn't be putting on and that we wouldn't, as recipients of the real work of God, I believe that those that God is really working in, that we just will be humble about it. There'll be a grateful humbleness about what God has done. And that'll be a better reflection as you witness, as you reach out to others. You'll reach out knowing that you're not all that, but that Jesus is all that. We understand that there are a great many programs you could have listened to today. So we're super blessed you chose to join us on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. You know those times when it's too hard to be quiet and you just have to speak? Paul finds himself in this position after he hears the trouble false teachers are stirring up in the church in that day. The truth was being twisted, and it was so important to Paul that he wrote a letter to people he'd never even met. Talk about laying aside one's own apprehensions for the good of mankind. Paul specifically shared with them, on a personal level, what he knew about Jesus. We, too, desire to help any and all individuals know Jesus in a tangible way and build a lasting relationship with Him. If this piques your interest, please locate the Know Jesus tab on our website, which is calvaryinglewood.org. All the information you need is right there. Again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. Or better yet, please give us a call at 310-245-4811. We would love to connect with you, just in case you missed it. That number is 310-245-4811. Our ministry is based in Inglewood, California at Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're in the area, come check us out firsthand. Sunday morning services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. For those not in the area, you can live stream our service on YouTube or Instagram. That's all the time we have for today. We look forward to connecting with you again right here on A Transforming Word.